Welcome to the Jackets Online Podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. It was a day kickoff in Charlotte last week and had a chance to sit down and talk with former Jacket and current ACC Network uh, analyst Roddy Jones. And Roddy talked a lot about Georgia Tech. He kind of gave a preview of the 2019 season overall in the ACC and then also kind of look back at his career at Georgia Tech so we'll have that interview with you here in a second and also I'm going to tag on the Jeff Collins audio from ACC kickoff for those who don't subscribe to Jackets Online and wanted a chance to listen to his meeting with the general media at Georgia uh, at uh, the ACC kickoff in Charlotte and Coach Collins was very candid got a lot of different kinds of questions some were kind of strange but it's an interesting kind of insight and in, in to kind of what um, is going on with the program and also kind of the perception of the ACC media in general for Georgia Tech, who were picked to finish 13th to 14th and last in the Coastal on Monday by the ACC media at the ACC kickoff. Uh, I kind of figured that was going to happen, and I think Tech will finish third. We'll see. Time will tell. But uh I think overall, it's it was an interesting week uh, at the ACC kickoff. It's an interesting time. We're getting closer and closer to the start of practice. We're about 10 days, 9 days out right now. Um, and then things will get crazy, and we'll be here, and I'm going to try to make this a little more regular for you all. And uh, I hope you enjoy uh, what Roddy has to say. Always a great ambassador for the tech program and one of my favorite guys I've ever covered at Georgia Tech. So, Hope you enjoy that, and then I'll tag uh, Coach Collins on to the end, and then we will be back soon with another podcast with Russell uh, talking recruiting and hopefully getting into some camp stuff with some different people as well. So uh, enjoy the show. So, Ryan, just kind of talk about your new role and kind of how things have been progressing since we last talked about it. Yeah, um, I guess the, the the big progression has been the announcement of the crew. So I'll be with uh, with Wes um, Durham and, and Eric Wood, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Obviously, um, with what Wes has 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 meant to me and in my career and and really life, you know. Obviously, yeah, him him being um, the voice of the Jackets at Georgia Tech, you know, he's kind of seen me since I was 18. Um, I, I joke with him that he only interviewed me after losses, which, which was okay <laughs> with me. Um, but uh, but you know he's one of the biggest reasons that I got into this business. Uh, his encouragement and and just sort of guidance through the process of you know going from from um, from just doing it you know for fun on on student radio on WREK to to doing the uh, the, the broadcast of Brandon Gordon and then um, even getting to Raycom. Like he's you know he's been a part of all of those moves. So. Um, it's cool to be able to pair up with them now to learn, um, to to be able to, to to be a part of the network. It's obviously great as well. So uh, I'm excited about both of those things, definitely. And I imagine it would be interesting if the two of you have to call a game, a Georgia Tech game. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Wes said something interesting that you know, half the conference thinks of him as a Georgia Tech guy because of his connection to Georgia Tech. Half the conference thinks of him as a North Carolina guy because of obviously his dad and his connections there and his knowledge. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, if we got a Tech-North Carolina game, that would be hilarious, especially for <laughs> Wes because, <laughs> because the Durham name is so, uh, has been so, uh, so, so ingrained in both of those places. So. Um, it would be interesting if we got a tech game, and, and certainly, you know, I think uh, uh, deep down inside, uh, every game that tech plays, I'm rooting for them. Um, but those, you know, you got to be impartial. And uh, I wonder what tech fans would say if I had something critical to say about Georgia Tech. That would be interesting. 
And what about, I guess, Jeff and kind of what's your relationship been like with him since he's come back? Obviously, you knew him as a recruit. You had a very different relationship with him. But. I did. Yeah. So that was it was it was great to kind of maintain that relationship over the years too, covering college football. So having his games at Temple and being able to see what he's able to do there. Um, we, we'd kind of stayed in touch. And then uh, when he got the job here, we obviously um, reconnected and, and uh, we've gone to Waffle House together <laughs> once or twice So and the, and the whole coaching staff. So, so um, you know, Coach Collins has been, has been great, I think, for the program, great for the league. Um, and, and whoever the head coach is at Georgia Tech, as long as they'll have me, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously give back to the program. Um, so it's been a. It, I'm, I'm just happy that he's a. He's he's welcomed me back as if uh, as if I were one of his players, which you know in some ways I was because he recruited me, but but uh, but he left before uh, before we had a chance to, to really to really get to know each other uh, throughout four years. But I'm glad that he's back. He's been he's, he's been great for Georgia Tech. Is it weird? I mean, this is first time probably since '09 that it seems like there's a cool factor with Georgia Tech. Yeah. I mean, I think that year you guys yeah. had a pretty good cool factor. With yeah. You. But really. You know, going back, that had been kind of the cool program in Atlanta and all that. Has it been cool to see that as an alumni? It's been it's been really cool. Um, I think for so long, uh, or really, you know, when Coach Johnson there and when we were there, um, we wanted to embrace Atlanta. You know, we wanted the city to be a part of of who Georgia Tech is. And I don't know uh, how much that was tried or what, but it seems like Coach Collins has really tapped into that. Uh, and the other thing is just the social media engagement. I think everybody talks about it, but in so many ways, that's how recruits communicate now. That's how recruits validate you know, who they are uh, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, there's a generational discussion to have there. Um, whether it's good or bad, it's how it is. You know, I kind of started right as that generation was, right as social media was taking hold. So um, I would say I'm somewhat responsible, or at least these people, uh, the crew my age is. But, um, that's how that's how people communicate, especially the, the the generation of recruits. And if you can brand your program and communicate what your program is about in the language that they speak at the place where they speak it, that's really powerful. And I think he's been able to do that. Are you a little bit jealous of the threads and the new locker room and all of the stuff? These Honestly, kids the are thing getting... that I'm most jealous of is the Adidas. Like the locker room, yeah, the locker room's great. Um, yes, I would have loved to have had that locker room. Um, this is no slight to Russell, but Adidas yeah. is a superior product. Uh, and and so I would have loved to have had the Adidas and um, you know the, the cool things that they do on social media, the videos and stuff like yeah, that stuff would have been cool to pump out. You know, we we used Danny Karnick shots back then. That was like all we had, and so we'd put them on Facebook or whatever. And, um, and so the stuff that they're putting out there, yeah, I'm a little, a little jealous of the, the the Adidas. That's the biggest thing. Though. Have you seen an uptick in in your former teammates reaching out or guys you played with or oh, recruiting class? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, some of it. Um, has to do with with people reaching out. Um, anytime you have transition, people are going to kind of want to come to the new coach, and sure. uh, it's a matter of how you handle it. And I think Coach Collins has handled it great. You know, he's made people feel like um, their opinion is valued and their presence is valued without letting it overrun the program, which is um, really important. It's a delicate balance. Um, athletes in general, former athletes at your school, uh, we can be a difficult bunch because everybody f- still feels entitled, entitled to to be able to go to this or that or be involved in this or that or get that information and reach back out. But um, So to be able to manage that and also keep people engaged, um, but also be able to get stuff done. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tightrope that you've got to walk and he's done a great job of it so far. What do you kind of see as the, your, I guess, kind of a prediction for what you see this season. It's tough. People ask me, yeah. and I'm like, you know, 
I don't know. Like, I what I my line's been five to eight went somewhere yeah. in that range. Yeah. And yeah, obviously two really hard games and one easy one, and then yeah. the rest are all toss ups. Yeah. Um, I think that's accurate. You know, I, I, I the, the, it's a hard question because I never want to burst anybody's bubble. I'm sure. obviously a, an advocate for the school, um, and. So I tell people, if you're flirting with a bowl game, it's a good season. Because the schedule's tough. Like, you've got two college football playoff teams on your schedule every year, Clemson and Georgia. Uh, those would be massive upsets. So, so let's just say the massive upset doesn't happen. You then have ten games to win six. Well, where are the surefire wins? you got the Citadel, and you got two American conference teams that are going to be at the top of the best group of five league in the country. Okay, you know, are you better than them? Maybe. And we lost to USF last year, so you see what can happen in those games. Sure. Then you get in the ACC play, and everything's everything uh, is kind of a toss up. So, so let's say you go five hundred in the ten games that you don't win with Clemson and Georgia, then you're a five win team. Uh, so, and you're flirting with the bowl game. So, if you're flirting with the bowl game, I think it's a good season. Um, I think it's a season that you can certainly build off of. Um, you know, anything less than that? I don't think. I honestly don't think anything is a disappointment from a win total standpoint. What Georgia Tech does this year should be judged on what do they look like at the beginning of the season and what do they look like at the end? How much better do they get? Do they play hard? Um, because there's going to be some areas where we're going to be overmatched a lot. Um, so can you overcome that with skill position? We'll see. Honestly, there's so much that you don't know that, uh, that it's, hard, it's hard to predict. With Clemson's obviously the favorite yep. right, in the league. So on the Coastal – to me, that's very difficult to handicap. I yeah. think I picked Tech third, just kind of randomly guessing you'd be third to fifth. Yeah. Um, is it Virginia? Is it Miami? Is it Pitt? Like, who do you like? Uh, I, I like I like Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Miami, and for, for three different reasons. I think Virginia's got it the most figured out, but they probably have the toughest schedule of the three. Sure. Uh, Miami's got a tough schedule, too, so, so those two would kind of be tied. Virginia Tech, with all the experience they have coming back on defense, I think you give them the benefit of the doubt on defense. Uh, and with Bud, Bud Foster, you kind of have to. Offensively, I'm not convinced. But if they can be decent, then, then, they'll, then they'll win a bunch of games and the schedule shakes out the best for them. And then Miami, that defense was elite last year. Um, and then the influx of new blood on offense, Tate Martell, Dan Enos, K.J. Osborne, uh, guys that are going to come in and give that program a boost. So those are the three that I like. Um, I, but but you, you can justify I, – I would listen to justifications for Duke because, let's see, before I speak out of turn, Duke has got the quarterback position most figured out of anybody in the Coastal Division other than Virginia. Sure. Duke's got it figured out. I mean, Quentin Harris is going to be the guy. Maybe Virginia Tech with Ryan Bowles. Um, Pitt with Kenny Pickett. Okay. Eliminate what I just said. But, but, but they sure, do, yeah. they, they've got the quarterback position sure, figured yeah. out. Quentin Harris is a guy that's been in the system. He's going to be a good player. Um, if they can figure out around him, both at the receiver position, at running back, they've got some questions. But, but they've got the most important position on the field figured out. And I think defensively they'll be, you know, kind of what they are. They'll be average. Um, I'd listen to a justification for Pitt. Um, they've been the most disappointing team to me the last couple of years in the, in the yeah. Coastal. Like, I think I picked them. I may have picked They're them a weird last team, year. man. They just always find a way to, like, They're like screw a, it up. a good defensive team that doesn't ever play good defense. Yeah. They're a, you know – Pound, they play. They play two games pound. in like thunderstorms. Yeah, like yeah, always, weather. always. Yeah, yeah. and they'll, they and, and every other game goes in overtime. Um, so judging that team is hard, but but uh, you know I, I have faith in, in in what 
they have done in terms of the offensive coordinator change and Mark Whipple coming in. This is one of the most respected offensive coaches in the entire world, you know. So, and then Kenny Pickett, you've got an experienced quarterback. So, um, the running backs, you know, that's a big question for them. But they've had good running backs the past, gosh, four or five years. So you think that they have somebody? We just haven't seen that guy yeah. yet. Um, so I could, I would listen to a justification for those two teams. Uh, Georgia Tech's probably the one that's the most far fetched to, to win the league or even, you know, finish anywhere higher than sixth or seventh. But I think them and Carolina. Carolina's, Carolina's weird because yeah, they're going to go even faster on offense than they already were, and the exactly. defense stunk. Yeah. So it's exactly. like, how do you? And they don't have. I don't think. They've recruited better, but I don't think the guys are there maturity-wise. Running back-wise, the thing that that gets me with Carolina is running back-wise, they will be one of the top teams in the conference. Now, is the offensive line good enough to show that? I don't know. Um, But, yeah, the the Phil Longo thing, I've seen his offenses, um, and when they go go fast no matter what, they're going to go fast out or they're going to go fast down the field. Um, And they'll take shots, and they're going to put pressure on defenses. So, in terms of established coordinators, like that team had it, has it figured out. Phil Longo and, 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 uh, and, and Jay Bateman, mm-hmm. like those two guys are, they got the bona fides. Like those, they've got it figured out. Um, talent-wise, they played, I, I think they played hard last year. I think they kind of got a bad rap. I, I actually look at Carolina to be seven or eight one team. Um, without, without going down the schedule and checking it off, I think, I think that's what they can do. Because um, I think the talent's there now. Who the hell's gonna play quarterback? I don't know, <laughs> but but uh, but we'll see, man. And we'll then see. on the Atlantic side, you have Clemson, and then it seems like kind of a mix of like NC State, Wake, and Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. like those. For, which Florida one State, of those teams is gonna play Boston defense? College. And yeah. And the thing with NC State to me is they've just lost so much over the last two years. I it's wonder. Ridiculous, man. You know, NC State. You know, the, the biggest compliment you give to NC State is say that I think they're gonna be an eight-win team. Um, but I don't know who's going to play any position for him, basically. Uh, the, the, the fact that you lose 3,000-yard quarterback, 1,000-yard running back, 2,000-yard receivers, and you're still talking about them in the mix, like that's a testament to Dave Thorne and what he's done there. There's not a lot of teams in the country that can survive that, and I'm not sure they're going to. But, um, you know, I, I, NC State's schedule is probably the best in the conference because they schedule nobody in the, in the, in the non-conference. Yeah. You go to West Virginia in a year where they're rebuilding. So, um, you know, I think there's eight wins there. Now are they eight quality wins? They could be, you know, eight and four and four and four in ACC play. Yeah. Um, kind of like, what was it, Virginia last year? Yeah. It was four and four in, in, in the league. So NC State's an interesting one. Florida State's one that I've, I'm excited about. You know, I'm just excited to see what they do with Kendall Bryles. You talk about fast, like – North Carolina's going to be warp speed now. Uh, Florida State's going to be warp speed. To add to Syracuse, Georgia Tech's going to go faster. Wake Forest, fastest team in the league yeah. half the time. So you're going to have – it's going to look a lot more like the Big 12 than it has in the past. I mean, you're going to play more defense, but these teams are going to be fast. Like in terms of huddle teams, what do you have left? Pitt? I mean, Boston College, Boston always College. going to be a huddle team. Yep. Pitt um, – Virginia Tech, you know, they, they'll alter their tempo. Virginia's probably a huddle team, too. Um, they go with some tempo, though. But um, it's interesting how much faster the league has gotten with that. So the Atlantic is, is, to me, it's Clemson, five teams, Louisville. Yeah. And the five teams, you can sort of justify your way into any of them. Um, it's kind of who you get and where you get them. And I think it, it shakes out for Syracuse about as, it good does, about as good as it does for anybody because of where they get Clemson, when they get Clemson. 
Um, and like you're, you could have college game day there. Like that would be awesome. What's been your favorite place to go cover a game? Uh, other than you know, obviously Georgia Tech, but yeah. your favorite place you've covered a game so far? Um, uh, I went to LSU last year. That was awesome. LSU and it LSU's was a night game. Amazing. It was yeah, awesome. It was against southeastern Louisiana, and it doesn't matter. Like that place was awesome. Uh, in the ACC, uh, Virginia Tech is always great. Uh, Clemson's always great. You know the ones that you that you kind of hear about all the time. I've done a game at Florida State, um, which was fantastic. I'd say my, my favorite Clemson was always my favorite to play at. We only but we played there twice. We only played at Florida State once. Um, so it's kind of cool to always go back to Clemson uh, because you know I was really close to going there. It's fun to play there. And uh, it's just always a great environment. And then the, the team's always good, too, so it doesn't hurt. What's your favorite memory, like, when you think back from your playing career? Is there is it the Georgia Man. game or is it the it's funny. ACC I, championship? Or? The Georgia game was so much of a blur because of the fact that I was young. I didn't really understand what we had just done. You know? Sure. I kind of thought, oh, this guy was going to be every year. Well, and part of you were fighting back the whole time, too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, um and then so much of, like, the memories now are blended with, like, you know, was that my memory? Or am I remembering the replay or remembering <laughs> the story? So that was obviously a great feeling. Yeah, I remember the bus ride back and getting off. I would say the best one was, like, just being on stage at the Orange or uh, after winning the AC Championship. Like, that's awesome because you got hardware. You, you know, you're fun throwing oranges all over the place. That was fun. I didn't the have a great game that day. Mouth. But, yeah, exactly. Um, it was actually one of the, you know, in terms of, overall performance probably one of my worst games um but the end the end of it was was really cool that was a cool moment that was insane game cj spiller ran for like 250 a bajillion yards, or whatever yards. It was. Yeah, yeah i think the only time they didn't score in the first half is when cj was getting a shot in his foot for turf toe <laughs> um, so thank god for turf toe <laughs> you know it's funny I, I tell the story all the time is i shot i was on field shooting photos that day oh, yeah. and uh two of the two clemson boosters walk up to me and they're like talking about Y'all, George Tech's so lucky because their coach is a genius, and we got this moron Dabo. And like to this day, that cracks me up because I like think about it. Yeah, it's like, incredible, man. Yeah, because what he's done, and you know, it's been pretty amazing to see. Like, oh, it absolutely has to, to see what he's built there at that it's, program from a guy who's an interim head coach that was on the hot seat really his yep. first three years there. Yep, yep, yep. And the the way he's done it, you know, no one's gonna out Saban Saban. And I think that's what the SEC has kind of gotten into, um, which is why no one's been able to beat them. What are they, like 25-1 and one over the last however many years, three years, something like that? It's ridiculous. Um, but no one's going to out Dabo Dabo either. So I think the thing that the ACC and the ACC coaches have done well is they've tried to build it their way because you can't recreate what he's created there. Like he, is, he, he added just the right amount of every single element, and he, he had just the right amount of, of, of knowledge and ego from a this is where we should be standpoint but also humility to go and hire some brilliant head coach i mean chad morris uh brent venables initially and then, and then when, when coach morris leaves replacing with tony elliott and just Scott, like the fact that that he empowers his guys so much it's an, it's incredible and i don't know that anybody's going to recreate that i, mean, I think you look at like lincoln riley you know, the thing was rolling a little bit differently when he took over but but that's probably the closest thing there's a young head coach, that sort of atmosphere, but I don't know that anybody's going right to do what he's done. It's incredible. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's always good to talk to you, Kelly. Yeah, man.
questions for Coach Collins? Fun question. Um, you take the job at Georgia Tech, and you know your first game isn't against Tilapia State or whoever. It's in Death Valley against the defending champs. Sure. Thursday night. You know, what were your first thoughts when you heard that or saw that? Uh, I mean, it's exciting. Anytime you can play uh, such a high-profile game uh, against a, a great team, it's you know, it gives you. Uh, narrows your focus a little bit more throughout the offseason, uh, throughout winter conditioning, and even throughout the summer. Uh, know you're going against a program that has such great coaches, such great players, and a great environment. Um, you know, so it's, it's exciting. Does it help you, you know, give the guys the holiday maybe a little bit more to know that, hey, we're, we're getting a test right off the bat. That you, you know, you've got to be really good that first week rather than maybe a lesser opponent that wouldn't capture their attention? No, nah, I mean, I think the way we're setting up our culture and setting up our mindset – Every single thing that we do in our organization matters. Every practice matters. Every workout matters. You have to bring your A game to every single thing that you do in the classroom and tutoring sessions. Um, so that is the mindset and the culture that we're building um, so that regardless of who the opponent is, regardless of what the scoreboard is, you have to do your very best every single day, every single moment, and that is the mindset that we're trying to create uh, at Georgia Tech right now. You mentioned at the podium that you guys have done some experimenting a little bit, like sure. in the spring. Yep. When you're trying to make a pretty big scheme change, right. in that, I know you say you're not going to be scheme-driven, player-driven, but when you're getting out of that scheme, can, can you kind of give me some examples of some things you were trying to do to figure out what, yeah, what so you we, had to work with? Yeah, so 100%. So, uh, you know, obviously I had to find tight ends. Um, you know, externally, uh, we signed two tight ends. Uh, one was a grad transfer, one was a high school recruit. Um, but then we had to still fill that position, um, whether it be the Y or the H. And uh, you know, Tyler Cooksey transitioned from playing a career as a um, linebacker to now playing tight end for us. Um, so things like that, what can other guys do? Um, and it goes back to the last two years. Um, our starting three technique played tight end in short yards goal line situations. Our starting nose guard played fullback in short yards goal line situations. So it's inherent in our DNA that the position flexibility piece is there. And one of the biggest reasons is my job as the head football coach is provide these guys with life after football and prepare them for life after football. Well, almost every young man that's in every college locker room, their aspirations are to go and play at the next level. Our guys are no different. Well, at the next level, the more position flexibility you have, the more that you can do special teams-wise, offensively, defensively, um, and even different positions offensively and defensively, you add more value to a limited NFL roster. So that has been proven, the guys that we've produced the last two years that have gone on and made teams, made rosters, because they can play a different position, um, because they can do a really good job on special teams. So that's what we're in the process of being right now. When you're doing a transition and you're trying to figure out, again, what you have to work with, right. it's going to take some time to get your the, the players that fit what you want to do sure. exactly right. So how sort of how, how much of an evolution is that going to be? Like this year, for example, it's going to be kind of an in-between or – I don't. I don't look at it like that. that Not really. Um, So these are the guys that we have. These are the guys that we inherited. There are some of them that we actively recruited and brought into the organization. Um, They are our players, and we have to make sure that they have success individually to help us have success collectively. Um, And that is our primary focus every single day. Um, You know, is there a certain number of tight ends that we want to have? Yes. Is there a certain number of safeties versus corners? Yes. This is what we have right now, and as we recruit and manage the roster toward that end, this is where we are, and we're going to embrace it, and we're going to put our players um, in the absolute best position possible.
Meg Brown was saying earlier that five years he was out of coaching, he watched a lot of different coaches, and he said they're a lot of them are just miserable and they're not having fun. You don't seem like a guy that no, that fits that category at all. Why, what is so much fun about his job? <laughs> I mean, I get paid every day to talk football and coach football and be around great kids like David Curry and Jalen Camp. I mean, it's awesome. I'm having an absolute blast uh, doing what I do. Um, so I'm having fun with it. Um, I've got a great staff um, that affords me the opportunity to set the vision that we have for Georgia Tech football, and they take it and run with it uh, within their own personalities and um, make Georgia Tech football the special place that it's supposed to be. Has Jamisa Lee officially moved to defense? Is so it kind of goes, goes back to the whole position flexibility thing. You know, we were trying different guys out, so every day during spring ball, the guys, the people that don't follow us every day, um, every day during spring ball, there'd be an offensive lineman go play defensive tackle because we're really thin along the defensive front, so we had to find guys uh, that could play D-line. And we would just cycle guys, and I thought Jahazel did a really good job at that position. Um, he's still going to be going to offensive line meetings as well. Um, the way we're able to do our position flexibility philosophy, everything in our organization is called the same thing. So if we run a certain blitz out of a certain front, well, our offensive coaches call that blitz and call that front exactly the same thing. So when Jahazel comes over, whether he played center or guard the day before, he knows when we call this defense, this guy is going to do this. Well, now when he goes over to the other side, it's not new memorization or new uh, learning. So, so he'll still be splitting. Yes. Yeah. So. Do you have any idea how many players have switched positions since, since spring? Say it again. Do you have any idea, like a count, how many players have moved positions or is just really. they're going all over? Not really. I saw somebody said something the other day um, about how it's listed in the depth chart in the media guide. but. Texas always had a reputation for fine academics. Yes. What kinds of things are you implementing to maintain Absolutely. that continual rise? Because it has risen over the Absolutely. Years. So uh, every Thursday at 1 o'clock, I have a meeting with every single uh, person in our academic staff, and we talk about every single player on our roster, uh, from our senior quarterback to our walk-on corner that's a freshman, Every player in our organization, we talk about their academics, every class that they have, uh, every exam that they have coming up, every paper that they have coming up, every grade that they've gotten. Um, and then we share that information with every member of our staff so they can hold our team accountable and our players accountable because um, that's very important to us uh, to maintain that, those standards. And, uh, you know, the Georgia Tech degree is one of the top four degrees in Power 5 football. So we want to make sure these young men that are in our program, in our care, um, are realizing the degree uh, from Georgia Tech. You no, I think every job is different, um, and what a lot of coaches get caught up in is here's the cookie cutter that we're going to use, and they do not have flexibility within the programs and the within the players and what is important um, to the fan base or to the institution. And I think we've done a really good job. Uh, the previous place that we were at, embracing the things that made that place special, um, enhancing it, showing it off, 
uh, to recruits to the fan base. I thought we did a really nice job with that and the success uh, on the field and the NFL draft showed uh, from that experience. And now we're coming in figuring out what is going to work here and how to maximize what the Georgia Tech experience is for our guys and to make our brand um, and our style of play uh, here in the ACC uh, very, very, very special. Chris Collins, uh, talk about your time in Philadelphia. I talked to you on the uh, had a great time. Uh, love the area. Um, love the players. Uh, and I think, you know, anybody that's followed me for any time of my coaching career um, can see my genuine love and affection for my players. And that is uh, true. Mark was there for the last two years and saw the relationships that we built with the guys. And, uh, you know, they still mean a lot to me to this day. And uh, grateful for the experience that I had there. And, uh, Love the culture, love those players, and I wish them, you know, all the best in the world. With how much talent is in the Atlanta area, do you feel like you have to be extra diligent, maybe careful in those evaluations? Well, that's inherent to who we are anyway, but yes. Um, you know, the, the big thing is, so our five-hour radius um, is probably one of the best five-hour radiuses, if that's a word, uh, in college football and in high school recruiting. And we're blessed to be downtown Atlanta, right in the middle of it. Uh, 11 of the last 13 national championships have come within five hours of Atlanta. And a lot of that is probably a byproduct of the great high school coaching, the great high school players that have been developed in that area. And we're just blessed to be in the middle of it. And you see us uh, talk about the hashtag 404, the culture. We're embracing being in Atlanta, being in the 404 area code, um, and all the things that emanate from our great city. Um, we're embracing it and, you know, it's resonating with the recruits um, and the fan base and all those kind of things. And we're in conversations uh, recruiting-wise that we're supposed to be in. When t- kids list their top five or their top 15, the schools that Georgia Tech is being mentioned with are the right schools to be nationally relevant. And uh, that's the plan, and that's what we're going to do. Jeff, when you got the job, your athletic director acknowledged that you guys are probably in the toughest piece of real estate. In the <laughs> right. Great smack, quote. smack between yep. Clemson and Georgia. Yep. How do you factor that into your job and how, what's your approach given, given that situation? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, the biggest thing in our program is competition. And uh, one of the biggest things in competition as a coach that you get to do is in the recruiting uh, area. And, uh, you know, so I enjoy going into the living rooms and I enjoy uh, talking about the greatness that is going to be Georgia Tech and the educational piece. And um, so we're not going to back down from anybody um, in recruiting because we think we have something so special to sell and that we think that young men that are being recruited should consider Georgia Tech as a destination spot um, moving forward. So that's that's the exciting piece to me. Is it, is it a tough sell? Like if somebody's also considering that school in Athens or someone's considering Clemson? No, I mean, so what's tough about living in Atlanta? It's one of the greatest cities in the southeast in particular. What's difficult to sell about being a top four education? That's not a tough sell. Um, all of those things, the history, tradition, the great players that have come through this great institution, I don't think those are tough sells at all. I think those are things that should make uh, young men want to be a part of it. And then when they get a glimpse of our culture, how hard we work, but how much fun we have while we're working that hard, um, I think those kind of things resonate 
um, with high school recruits. They resonate with the fan base um, and make people want to uh, be a part of the things that we've got we've got going. It's an exciting time. You've talked a lot about trying to make this program a, a top ten program apparently. What's the biggest obstacle right now to, to that goal of being a top ten program? Just the, the biggest thing is we're just building the culture and the developmental piece um, and then the recruiting continually to, to evolve. Um, I think we've got arguably the greatest strength coach in college football, Lou Corrala, and he's done a great job. I mean, he's been sending me. They're doing the end of the end of the summer uh, before and after pictures and the gains that our young men have made because of how hard they work and how much they're buying into the program and really giving an unbelievable effort uh, to get better every single day. Um, when we tested in January, there were only seven uh, players that were able to bench 225 over 20 times. Uh, they did it the other day and there was over 32. So just what seven. he's done, started with seven, seven players. Um, and so now it's up to 32, and you know, it's going to keep getting better and better. Um, but just the development in the culture in the locker room, the way these guys compete, the way they attack everything, um, they work really, really hard, but they have a lot of fun doing it. Um, and I think that's a byproduct of the relationships uh, that they have with our assistant coaches. You go see the videos of us working out in the offseason, and there's Marco Coleman right in the middle of it flipping tires. There's Andrew Thacker doing mat drills. So we're uh, totally invested in the development of our players. Um, if you have a little fun while you're doing that, that's okay. And yet because of the offensive changes you're making, we do have to kind of sell the current players on. Because we have to take a step back and we're going to take a, a step forward that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take a few years to get, it, get the so, offense and the, the adjustment the way I want it, I guess. So that kind of back to the, the conversation about developing to play at the next level. Um, the scheme that we're in now prepares our guys to play at the next level. Um, the formations, the reads, the, the running plays, the pass schemes that we use prepare our guys to play on the next level. So Jalen Camp, one of our receivers, is going to be a senior. Now he gets to show what he can do for the next level. Um, so he's going to have individual success as a byproduct of what we do schematically. Same thing defensively. Our defense is an NFL-based scheme. Uh, Probably 31 of the 32 NFL teams run some kind of middle field close coverage as their predominant base defense. That's what we do. So we're preparing our guys every single day to develop to play at the next level. Um, we play press coverage every single play just like they do at the next level. We're very multiple. So offensively and defensively, you know, when teams come to scout us, um, you know, they can see our guys doing things that they're going to need to do on Sundays. So our guys will have individual success. That individual success will lead to team success. Um, and then we just got to keep developing every day schematically and fundamentally to be able to do that. So we inherited a system where our offensive linemen, 80% of their weight was on their front hands for 11 years. There's nothing wrong with that. But now we're developing into a system where 60% of their weight's on their instep, just like they do at the next level. So that learning curve uh, probably for the organization has been most felt along the offensive line. That's why we hired Brent Key, who's arguably the best offensive line coach in the country, uh, to come back to his home at Georgia Tech to coach our offensive line. And he's done a masterful job uh, with those guys. So really excited. And that same vein of building a national championship program, do you what do you hope to take? I mean, are you excited to play Clemson in week one as your first game? For yes, first I'm excited to do everything that I do. So <laughs> I'm excited to be back with our team when they report in two Tuesdays. I'm excited for that first practice. Um, 
I'm excited just to run out of the tunnel with my guys um, that I've seen them develop from December uh, until now. Um, you know, the expectations from the outside world are not very high. That's okay. They don't know what these young men have done, what these young men have invested in this program, and I'm just excited to be out there uh, and take the field with these guys and, and we'll go to battle with them. When you look at that program, it's obviously a standard bearer for this league the last four years and nationally too. What do you hope to, I don't want to say take away because one day you want to be at that level, but I mean, what do you see that they do that can be replicated or that Georgia Tech can do one day? And uh, so really, uh, I don't want to be trite, but for seven, eight months, all I've worried about is Georgia Tech football and figuring out what is the best way for us to become a great program. And, you know, so there's a lot of things that we're doing internally that are changing the culture, changing the brand. So my entire focus uh, has been on that, and then we'll worry about the opponents. Um, you know, come those first two weeks of school as we get ready for game. Can I get you a question? So the transfer system, the way it is right now, the portal, the waiver system. Sure. You had a lot of movement coming and going. Um, you know, a little bit, but comparatively. I, I was adding up the number. Uh, but just what are your thoughts on kind of the system, the way it is right now uh, this year? Yes, yeah, so whatever's best for the student-athlete. You know, what we try to do in our program is to create a locker room and to create a culture that every single player that's in our care uh, feels like they're getting better, is excited to come to work every day, um, feels like they're earning a meaningful degree and getting support toward that end, being able to play at a high level of college football under some great coaches. That's what we try to establish every single day. If there's any young man that's in our organization that doesn't feel that way, then we want to help them explore and expand their possibilities because we want everybody in our organization to be successful. Um, however that looks, that is our goal and that is our care. Um, and then if there's place people at other institutions that decide I'm not being successful as I think I should be, well, now with this current system, they have the right to explore those possibilities. So whatever's best for the student athlete is what I'm for. So. Do, you, do you have an update on Clayton, Ezzard, or Don't. Sam? I don't. I don't. Do you know what the time I don't. Is? I, I, I'm <laughs> anxious to hear as well. Lucas Johnson, you know, didn't get to play last year, obviously, because sure. of injury, but how has he progressed and how does he look and, you know, how healthy sure. is he really since you've gotten there? Yeah, he's, uh, he went, he was limited a little bit in some of the off-season workouts, uh, but I don't think he missed a single rep of the uh, spring ball and has done a great job all summer in the workout, so... Excited about his development. Tobias Oliver, excited about him. Uh, James Graham uh, didn't play last year, um, but he showed flashes in the spring um, of being able to be a dynamic player for us. So, um, and then we signed a, a freshman, Jordan Yates, who is the 7A player of the year, won a state championship for Milton High School. So, um, you know, excited about that room. Dave Patton Ode uh, does a great job with quarterbacks, does a great job as an offensive coordinator. Um, so just excited about that room as a whole. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, worried about when we not worried but we took the job the question mark was well how well do they throw and we got out there that first day of spring ball and actually got to see them uh throw during the spring and for 15 practices the body of work they put together in their improvement and development i, I was really pleased with that group it seemed like Jeff. james earned his four back is he eligible to play? still still working still got some but things to good. do i hope so i hope so Jeff, in the, in the spring, you did away with the, the two-deep concept yep. to try to get more guys prepared yep. to get on the field. Yep. When the season starts and that first kickoff comes about, 
do you coming out of the spring do you have a good idea or a better idea of who those 11 guys are going to try it out on the field mark do you want to answer mark's covered me for the last two years so it's <laughs> so they're either above the line or they're not um so what we will do though um once preseason practice is over that monday uh the first day of school we'll probably release the above the line depth chart um you know and then the way we've done it in the past Whatever last game that was played, if any of those young men played on the very first play, they'll be listed in bold. Does not denote starter, does not denote anything. But we try to have as many guys above the line as possible, you know, because if we can have eight DBs, 10 DBs that are above the line and they can rotate in and play at a high level, we're probably going to be a pretty good secondary. If we have to play four DBs every single snap of every single game, then it's so be it. Yes. So we want to have as many guys uh, being able to play. I don't believe in naming starters. I don't believe in naming backups. And Mark's heard this before, but the second you get labeled as a backup, you start preparing as a backup, you start practicing like a backup. But if you know that you're going to play and get meaningful reps because of your preparation and because of how well you do in practice, well, you're going to practice like a starter. You're going to prepare like a starter. Um, and I think it's served us well the last two years, and uh, it served the players well, most importantly. So we'll continue to do that. And it just so happens the ATL little acronym plays well here in Atlanta, so we're going to keep that going. Yeah, Jeff, coming up as a player at, in high school, did you have did you have dreams of playing in Tech at all, or did, did Tech? I did. I still tech? remember. Uh, I uh, can't remember who the DB coach was, but every Saturday morning, uh, about 7:30, he would call me and uh, talk to me and recruit me. But uh, at the end of the day, I ended up walk, having to walk on at Western Carolina University, uh, so the numbers game. So, um, but ended up walking on there, being a three-year starter, earning a scholarship. Right. Um, so, but yeah, it, I mean, it's uh, you know always been a dream to to be here, and now I'm here and excited about it. Would you have made it at Tech as a player uh, with your talents? Or? I have no idea. I know I'd have given great effort. I'd have had great energy. I'd have had a great attitude. And I would have attacked everything I did, and I would have competed. I know that for sure. Well, did you have someone teach you this? Uh, enthusiasm is, is a natural sure. uh, gift, of course. But did you have someone that actually showed you the, the power of of what enthusiasm can do? Uh, I don't know that. Um, I don't know if there's no, other coach at Rupert. No, so I've been, I've been blessed to be around some great coaches. George O'Leary, I worked for him for five years. Nick Saban, I worked for him. Dan Mullen, I was with him at Mississippi State when we were the number one team in the country for 10 weeks. I was with Jim McElwain. Right. So I've been blessed to be around some great coaches. Mario Cristobal was the head coach at FIU. I've been blessed to be around some great coaches and learn a lot of things from a lot of really good, respected people on how to do things. But my last two years at University of Florida, Jim McElwain showed me that you can learn all of these things, but you have to be true to yourself when you're in that position. Because if I came here and tried to be George O'Leary part two, I don't know how genuine that would be, but I can take all those great lessons that I learned from him for five years, apply them through my personality. Um, you know, same thing with Coach Saban and the other guys that I've worked for. Um, the lessons that I've learned and now filter it through my personality and my belief system. And, you know, it seems to have worked out uh, pretty good. And, you know, we're going to keep, keep, you know, exploring better ways uh, to do it.
I was talking to these guys about the light trip that y'all took this summer. Yeah. Can you kind of walk me through that trip and sure. what it was like for you guys? Yeah, so we went for a staff retreat, and there's not a staff retreat, a senior retreat, leadership retreat uh, for two night, two days up in the North Georgia mountains. Took 17 guys. I think we took 12 seniors and five underclassmen and uh, just went up there and bonded. And Derek Moore, uh, who's our team chaplain, Lou Corrala, um, our head strength coach, and we had – systematic uh, activities plan to bond, um, to share life stories, to share experiences, and to have some fun as well. Um, but it was, it was a great event. We had done it the previous two years um, that I was the head coach, and it was very impactful. Um, but we kind of revamped it this year, and uh, I thought we took it to a whole nother level, and it was it was really special. Yeah, I knew Coach Corolla. He made the comment I think on Twitter that it was the most empowering yep. like trip he'd ever been on. It was awesome. Was that? Did you feel the a same? Thousand way? percent. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, kind of the last two years. It was kind of a residual of what had been done previously at the place we were at, um, and it was really good, but. How did it fit who we are and the things that we need to accomplish in a short amount of time to make the most impact on our program? And I, I think we did that. And the lessons that these guys learned have brought back to the locker room and the last couple of weeks of off-season conditioning. And that's been really good. Do you think it was a pivotal moment for I this I think program? so. I think so. And there's just certain things that happened and, um, you know, commitments that were made without getting too much into the weeds. Um, but it was, a, it was a special time. But every single day, um, as we're building the culture, there's new experiences that have never happened here before. Um, that we're having to experience together to take another step. And those steps are going to have to be taken a lot until we get the culture established. And this is the process that we go through to be great. So Jeff, can you, you guys you, are awesome. You mentioned the culture. Is the buy-in, have you gotten the buy-in? Through, it's, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. You have to ask the players that, but it's been it's been amazing how, how bought in they are and how they attack everything. And um, I've just been, I've been really happy with them. Can you remember the last time you were bored or had trouble <laughs> working up any sort of motivation about anything? I don't. Right now, maybe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. what are we on? We're on hour eight right now. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm blessed to do what I do. And, uh, you know, again, surrounded by great people. Um, Come on, you know. we all have days and we sit there and it's like, I just don't, I'm just going to say, I don't feel like doing anything. Well, I, I'll, I'll chill now. I'll, I'll throw on Stranger Things and watch seven episodes in a row. I'll do that. <laughs> so if that's what you're talking about, yes. Yeah. So watch season three of Stranger Things a couple weeks ago, July 4th when it came out. Then I hadn't watched season one and two, so I've gone back and so <laughs> brought my daughter to sleep, pop on about a couple episodes of Stranger Things, and then they get you because the last 30 seconds are unbelievable, and then you got to hit next episode, and then you're stuck for another 50 minutes. So those things do happen. Okay, yes. but in general, getting motivated for... That's a zero issue. And for whatever reason, it never never has been. So Even as a kid? Yeah, even as a kid. So I did triathlons when I was a little guy, and... Uh, ran and you know tried to stay busy all the time so I think it was if truth be told was my way of getting out of having a part-time job so if I would go do some activity or go work out well he's working out he's training for something so we'll let him off the hook or I'll go mow the lawn and they'll leave me alone for a little bit so if we're really peeking behind the curtain that's probably a little bit of the truth well another entertainment based question here then okay 
Are you, are you really that big of a Star Wars nerd? I am. Is I that- am. So uh, my, uh, my dad, my biological father, who's since passed, would check me out of school uh, the first run, the first time it would be shown in Atlanta for the first three. So New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. I was actively removed from an academic environment to go see, to go see the first run of Star Wars. Yes, that's facts. What, what, what is it about that? So I, think, I mean, I think that's, that's special. You know, that, those kind of memories are special. Um, but then I do genuinely like... Uh, you know those episodes. The next three were eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then they've made a you know they've made another uh, you know make three of the th- three of the next four have been good again. I won't mention the fourth, but um, yeah. But well, I, are yes, you more I the Obi Wan or the Yoda of this of this organization, or were you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I won't. I don't know if there's a character you identify with. I do. I don't know if that plays well. In Solo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Darth Vader. Darth Vader. That's, that's a bad dude, man. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, there's a little Yoda in there, a little Obi-Wan. Yes, whatever. Yeah. So. Coach, yeah, I, like, I like how this conversation is turning this. <laughs> well, we have, you have to wait to the end to throw out the, uh, the non-football-related stuff. So that's, Coach, I only has time for about one more. So. Uh, what do you do? Uh, we'll get these two. Go ahead. Uh, so, uh, whether it's a quarterback or something else, what do you... As you go into August camp, I guess, what do you still need to learn about this team or figure out about this team to kind of get, get things ready for the opener there? I think it's just the constant development every single day. I mean, every day is a new experience. Um, they're getting better at something every single day. Um, but just the, the development of the quarterback, development of the offensive line, um, all of those things, because in reality we've only had 15 practices together. Um, so another, uh, I think, 24-25 that we'll get before we play the opener um, are going to be invaluable experiences. Do you? What is your approach for for the redshirt rule? We get four games with guys. Is it yeah, mop-up sure. time? Is it trying to get quality reps? Does it depend on the player? Kind of what's your... You kind of answered the question for yourself. Um, when a guy's ready to play, we're going to play him. If they're not ready to play, we won't play him. Um, but we are a developmental program, and every single Sunday night or Monday night, uh, we play Sunday night football or Monday night football. So the guys that are not above the line are still out there scrimmaging in season uh, <laughs> to get better. So we're trying to develop them at every single rep. Uh, we don't use cards in our organization. So a lot of times you'll see GAs holding up cards to explain the play. There are zero cards at a Georgia Tech practice. Our scout team players are playing our defense. Our scout team offensive players are playing our offense just relative to what the opponent we're playing, how much they do, whatever it is. But there's constant terminology being used uh, of our guys throughout their development. Yes, Mr. Kerr. Last one. Anyway, um, so Coach, uh, Coach Collins, uh, what's your opinion on senior linebacker David Perry? <laughs> uh, he's really good, and the way you can kind of tell that I have a high opinion of him is he's wearing a single-digit jersey. Good to know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs>